right. Uh, welcome to uh, Legend Has It, a shoot with Larry Sharp, hosted by myself, Don Warren, and Robert Knight. Um, tonight, we're, uh, we have Larry Sharp on, who's going to uh, kind of let the story out about what's been going on with uh, the Monster Factory. Larry is, you know, the creator of the Monster Factory, this Roto. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into depth a little bit. Uh, you know, talk about some of the history of the Monster Factory, some of the guys Larry's trained. Um, and the story of what's been going on now uh, with the current factory um, and the guy who apparently says he's running the factory, uh, Dan Cage, um, who uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have some interesting things to talk about. Uh, but before we begin, uh, one, I want to uh, just plug uh, our productionist. Uh, he's also the productionist of The Bowling Alley. Uh, it's a podcast, uh, the first Wednesday of every month uh, at 5.30. You can hear them tomorrow, I believe, uh, 530. They're having a chance to Bill after on the show. And you can find that at thefolinalley.com. And, uh, you know, make sure you listen to that and support them guys, too. Uh, but like right. I said, I also, have Robert Knight. I also have Robert Knight here. So, Robert, say hello. Hello. As Don mentioned, this is Robert Knight. It's a pleasure to be a part of this. I'm sure it's going to be a history-making broadcast the shoot interview with Larry Sharp, legend has it, and anyone who's listening can feel free to call in. It's an open conversation. Anything and everything will be answered, and if you want to join in, you can give us a call at 213-992-5177 and just type in the pin 74463, and you'll be live on the air with myself, with Don, and with pretty boy Larry Sharp. Awesome. Well, uh, with that being said, at this time, I would like to welcome Pretty Boy Larry Sharp, uh, the man who was the creator of the Monster Factory, and uh, the man who has trained myself and Larry and numerous and countless stars in the professional wrestling industry. So, uh, Larry, welcome. Thank welcome, you. Larry. I appreciate you having me. You know, uh, first, uh, Larry, I was... How's it going? <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm um, glad, you know, glad we could have you on the show. Glad we can... Uh, you know, give you this chance to talk about the stuff that's going on. Um, I know me personally, I mean, I, you know, I've known you for years and I think I can speak for Robert too. And, uh, you were a huge influence, you were a huge influence in my life. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we can, like I said, give you this platform. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, good. We'll, we'll go for a little ride down memory lane tonight and see how the flight is. <laughs> um all right so with that being said um real quick for a lot of people that don't know that may be listening um what how was the monster factory started well it was started with uh, buddy rogers and myself uh, growing up i don't know whether you know this or not but buddy rogers was uh you know he was the guy i wanted to be like when i grew up and uh he called me up and he asked me if I would train his son, which to me was an honor because there's a guy that was the best and he wants me to train his son. You know, that was pretty uh, big statement for me. And I asked him why, and he just said that uh, he liked my style and, uh, you know, felt confident with me uh, being his son's instructor. So um, away we went, and we took off, and David, uh, buddy's son, just kind of lost interest in it, you know. He was just, uh, you know, he wasn't looking into getting into wrestling as a future, unfortunately. Uh, he just 
knew he was going to get the bankroll when the time was right, and, you know, he does have it, you know. So good for him. He's happy, and uh, his mom and dad is happy, and I got the school out of it. So uh, Ted Petty had come along, and he put up his uh, a ring for collateral, and he came along on board, which uh, made things good with us. And uh, he did a real good job, and it worked out real well for us. Okay. Um, now, uh, and just because I know this is going to be a little bit of a factor later in the story. Um, now, I believe, what was the year you actually started uh, the Monster Factor when you got the LLCs? What year was that? I believe it was 83. Okay. All right. Um, and when you guys, when you started the factory, I mean, who was, I mean, you know, in that first, I guess, who was like one of your first successes you had at the factory? Well, before, uh, I guess one of my first successes was even before I named the factory and that would have been, uh, Tony Atlas was the first guy that I trained or even before him, King Kong Bundy. Uh, you know, so I trained Bundy, and then I trained uh, Tony Atlas, and then I got got into training guys for the offices. You know, they would uh, they like my amateur wrestling style, and they would just uh, ask me to take certain guys like Kevin Von Erich or different people down to the gym and uh, work out with them. So that's how we got them broken back then. Larry, you okay. mentioned uh, when you named the Monster Factory, how did you come up with the name? Pardon me? How did you come up with the name of the Monster Factory? Uh, Bigelow and I came up with it. Uh, okay. Actually, it was his name. I mean, he said, you know, look at me. He goes, I'm a monster. And he had a <laughs> shirt called I Am Monster, and there was no denying it. Uh, he had tills. He had talent. He had a... You know, he's on 400 pounds, and he could do a cartwheel, walk on the top rope. You know, there was nobody could do that. Um, now, I remember uh, one of the things, that, that uh, the, the the logo you had with the big monster, you know, with his fist over the factory, where'd you guys get the logo at for that? Well, originally, a guy named Whiskey, uh, Edwinowski, gave it to me. And over the years, it's been twer twerked up a little bit. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of clean up with the fashion a little bit, so we've cleaned it up here and there, but uh, yeah, a guy named Edwinowski from Mantua is the one that did the original logo. Okay. Where was the uh, where was the first, I guess, official Monster Factory located? Uh, it was uh, located in a airplane hangar in uh, Lumberton, New Jersey. I was out there for about a year. Hang on just okay. a second, please. Sure. Your pain medicine's in here. Okay. I didn't say it was. But you know, it's a little light. Yeah, folks, had on, hang on for one sec. Um, yes, yeah, as you can hear, Larry started the Monster Factory in 1983, which is uh, once again going to be a central part to our story a little bit later. Um, you know, I know, I know myself, I remember actually walking into the monster factory. I was 11 years old. I walked in and I saw 
I went in the office and I saw all the pictures on the walls of all these guys that Larry had worked with or trained. And, uh, you know, I was blown away by it. I was almost like awestruck that, uh, you know, I saw all these stars. That's okay. Uh, I was just telling a little story about when I first walked into your office. I think I was, I don't know, I was like 10 or 11 or 12, around that age. And I remember Uh seeing all the pictures, seeing all the pictures on the wall and I was, like, awestruck by it because, like, you know, there was all the guys, like, you've known, you've worked with, you've trained. And for me, like, being a huge wrestling fan, I remember that it kind of blew me away that, like, uh, this was this was the place. Like, the Monster Factory was, you know, the training school to go to at, you know, in, in, in professional wrestling. I got but very lucky with the name because right. it caught on. And, uh, right. you know, it just liked it, which helped T-shirt sales and everything else. Right. Or right. Up until that time, every wrestler was on such a big ego, they had to name it after themselves. Well, I wasn't looking for naming it after myself. I was looking for just a catchy name, and that come along and just worked perfect. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we know you train, like, you know, you Bigelow and Von Erich and, you know, Bundy, guys like that. I mean... Who, I know as the Monster Factory went on throughout the late 80s and the early 90s, who were some of the other uh, other names that, you know, people recognize that you trained? Well, the, you know, the, there was a crew of guys, you know, uh, Fritz von Erich, even though he was a little before that, uh, his dad had me working with him, and his first match was in front of his father, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Cornette. I mean, that's a pretty immaculate crowd to be showing off your skills for in your first match. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, anyway. Anyway, uh, you know, he's the boss's son. You know he's going to get the job anyhow. Right. Right. Um, yeah, because like I said, that's, you know, that's one of the big things. I mean, when people talk about the Monster Factory, they talk about, uh, you know, the names that are synonymous with it. I mean, you know, I think... Uh, I remember the T-shirt you used to have with all the guys on the back. I mean, you have, uh, you have Tatanka, D'Lo Brown, um, just uh, a couple other names that are escaping me right now. I don't know, uh, Robert, you might know some off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing the Godfather on the back, Chris Candido. Uh, right. And Ted Petty, who, who was Rock a Rock from Public Enemy. I mean, the back of the shirt was like a Hall of Fame list itself, just with guys that came out of Larry's school. Yeah, that was uh, that was a big thing. Who was um, you got? Out of curiosity, just for the fans that are listening, you got any interesting, you know, inside stories maybe about any of those guys that you trained that you know a lot of people may not know. Uh, well, there was there was a couple of pretty good stories. Um, I had a tag team partner for a while. His name was uh, Ripper Collins. Mm-hmm. and we were working in Alaska, and he kept telling the boss to get the bear, bring the bear into the territory. He'll sell out every night, and, you know, everybody will get a big payday, and he'll do it and take care of it. And So his first night on the way out to wrestle the bear, I took honey and squirted it on the butt of his pants. And so he's out there, and now I don't know if you know it or not, but a bear has... Uh, a tongue about a foot long. <laughs> and when it could stick its tongue out of the muzzle. So, like, this tongue, was, this bear had a muzzle on it. And 
<laughs> it was sticking his tongue out and chasing Ripper in the circle. It was pretty, pretty comedy. <laughs> um, so now when I know throughout, I guess, you know, the nineties and, um, you know, in, in that time, I know the monster factory had gained such popularity, did so well that you actually had, um, other, you had schools in other states, right? Yes. I had one in, uh, Columbus, Ohio, and one in Baltimore, and, uh, you know, we were, we were running pretty good, we were running pretty good there, and the problem is sometimes you'll get a a partner, and they think it's theirs, and uh, unfortunately that happened, you know, their ego kicks in, and, you know, there's only one original Monster Factory, Uh, the people that had it were very knowledgeable when it comes to the wrestling school, but just as far as passing it forward, they got completely lost. And, uh, you know, they were just, uh, a lot of people familiar with the terms marks, you know, they were marks. I, you know, I had one guy that I took on as a partner and got, we met Hulk Hogan. I thought he had wood for about two weeks. All he could talk about was all the way home. I mean, you know, for me, it was a little unprofessional. Um, yeah, that seems to be an ongoing thing nowadays. Um, you know, a lot of guys are out there to, uh, I guess, further their agenda as opposed to, you know, like you said, passing it on to to the guys who come to train and come to learn this this business. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so yeah. So I know for uh, from my experience, like I said, I came in, I think, roughly in in ninety nine, um, and at that time, uh, you we're still doing some of the training. And I think we had, um, Ed Atlas was basically the head trainer at the time. Um, now at what point, um, did you kind of, uh, step back a little bit more from going into the ring, uh, as much? Well, I wanted to, uh, to get out and I, uh, Ed Ed Atlas and I had separated a little bit and that, that was all right. We ended up on pretty good terms. But uh, some people, you know, you just put your trust in the wrong people and it's really uh, not getting the run the way you get expected it to be. Right. That's kind Uh, of heartbreaking. Yeah, Um, because I know um, after, at a point, you actually, I think it was, who was right? It was Ed Atlas and Jim Molino were doing the running of the factor, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And uh, whatever happened with uh, with with uh, the Jim Molino, did he kind of just separate, or what happened? He just uh, he went on his way with a guy named Doc Diamond, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he kind of took off and went his way, and then Ed went back to Canada, I believe. I'm not really sure what happened to him. Okay, um, and that was about the time I was going to say that was about the time too. You guys um, actually had. Uh, 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 Seamus was training at the factory, if I'm not mistaken. He was there for a little right. while. But Sher- Seamus had problems getting in and getting his papers in order. But he really persevered because he would have to go home every 30 uh, days to get his uh, papers right. issued to stay legal. And he did that. and It was just killing him, but he seemed to do all right. I know he's... Uh, put a lot of work into his uh, gimmick and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's yet another Monster Factory alum who has made a, na- a huge name for himself in the world of professional wrestling. Um, and that was at the time you guys, uh, you guys were in Belmar, uh, right off of Route 42 in Belmar, New Jersey. And then what happened with the uh, what happened with the Belmar building? Like what happened after that? And who was there with me? What's that? Who was there with me? Uh, in the Belmar building, uh, like I said, that was the time I believe it was Jim Molyneux and I believe Ed Atlas. And then I'm not sure. I was kind of wondering what happened after the Belmar building. That's uh, that's when I, I think it was I ended up over going to Gloucester from there. Okay. You know, and that I was with Gloucester. What's that? I was going to say that was the time when you guys went. Are you talking about when you guys were going to at the at that point join up with New Moon Rising Wrestling? Well, we were going to try that, but that name come to never came to fruition, unfortunately. Okay. But you never yep, know right. that could pop up. That deal could pop up at any time. True. So now, um, at this point, now we're fast forwarding a little bit to roughly around 2011. And this is where kind of the story gets kind of interesting. And basically, uh, Imagine Factory moved over to Gloucester. And at that time, uh, there was talks that, um, and this is from my understanding, this is talks that the Monster Factory was going to do um, the training and uh, of the wrestlers and things of that nature. And then New Moon Rising Wrestling was going to do the actual shows. And um, at that point, Jake Bishop uh, was running New Moon Rising Wrestling. You were, uh-huh. uh, with the mon- you were doing the Monster Factory, and you guys brought in Dan Cage, who uh, was also going to be doing training at the Monster Factory. Um, right. So tell us a little bit about how that came about. Well, it just, uh, again, it all came, in my opinion, it all came down to egos. And, you know, uh, when you don't really have the talent or or need to have the talent, it's, it's, it's not healthy. You should have a guy that's a good wrestler, not just a good bullshitter, you know, because it's... One guy buys the belts, and the other guy does this, and the other guy does that. You gotta hire people that other people want to see. And the best thing about being a booker, which is all I wanted to do, is you can't bring yourself into play. You're out of the picture, so that gets you right out of the scene, which is the best thing you could do, in my opinion. Right. You know, some and people can't do that. They, you know, they can't say that. They're too old to start. Nobody knows who they are in the first place, and they go in there and get these credits, and that it's already too late for them to deserve because of their age. Right. You know, there's a saying saying in this business, uh, when you have no respect, it's like, well, who did he ever beat? (laughs) Right. And 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 that's the question. So... Um, the qualifications, I mean, on, on, um, I guess at the time, Dan Cage, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as strong as, uh, it would like to be for a guy who was going to be a head trainer of a world famous wrestling school. Well, he wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I don't, in my opinion, I don't believe he's prepared for it now. Right. That's just my opinion. 
Um, so, so now, um, and, and once again, this is also from my understanding, um, there was a point when this, uh, this was going to happen between new moon and monster factory that, um, the decision was made to, um, I believe, update the current LLC that you had purchased back in the 80s for the Monster Factory to update that current LLC to reflect yourself, Jake Bishop, and Dan Cage as, um, I guess, you know, uh, owners or whatever, runners of the company, whatever the title is for it. And um, so Dan Cage um, had said that he purchase this LLC um, and updated the info as requested, although he never produced this document to either you or, or um, Jake Bishop. And um, right. do you remember, do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I have a copy of it here. Okay. I, um, cause yeah, cause I know it was brought to attention that um, the LLC that he ended up getting, he apparently tried to get the name of the monster factory, but since you already own that, he actually purchased the name Monster Factory LLC. So as it stands, basically the name of his company is Monster Factory LLC LLC um, because he couldn't purchase the Monster Factory name because you had purchased it back in the you know the eighties. It, it really doesn't matter. Call the fans have been off. out there. I've been out there long enough to know that, and the fans have been out there long enough to know. If you said, "Do you want to go to the Monster Factory, or you, do you want to go to Larry Sharp's Monster Factory?" We all know what they're going to pick. Right, and and I think that is, um, you know, that's a thing that happened. So now, now we have, uh, you know, the New Moon and Monster Factory thing kind of didn't happen, and New Moon went on their way and did their own thing, and. Um, at this point, you and Dan, uh, or the Monster Factor split off and did their own thing. I believe you guys moved into Paulsboro, if I'm not mistaken, correct? All right. And so what happened What happened after that? What uh, You guys were running, you guys were in Paulsboro, and then what happened? Then I uh, tried to retire and go to Florida. And okay. I ran into some issues that I had to come back for. My uh, sister had some knee surgery, double knee surgery done, and I come back to see her, and I screwed my knees up, and it just set me back a little bit for a while. But uh, I have some people that are ready to go when I'm ready to go. So now, right now, we're biting our time. Now, at any point, and, um, and I think there's been stories floating out there that um, you either sold Dan Cage the Monster Factory, gave Dan Cage the Monster Factory, or, you know, somehow he assumed control. But was there ever a point where you said to Dan Cage, hey, I'm done with the Monster Factory, you can have it? Or did you sell it to him, or did you do anything of that nature? No, 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 no. I just uh, told him to go ahead and run it and send me half the money. And while I was down there... You know, he could have the other half because I wasn't going to be here to run it. Kind of like well, you've I'd done be, in the past. I'd be an idiot. I mean, you know, I built that for my stepdaughter. I didn't build that for Dan. Correct, and it's kind of like the similar pattern you did when you had either like Jim Molino or Ed Atlas or any of those guys doing the training, where you step back a little bit. You kind of let them assume a little bit of the control, but while it still wasn't theirs, you know, they were just, you know, doing some of the day-to-day -day operations. No, it's, I'm lazy. 
you know, <laughs> I didn't go if I didn't have to. I set a, a good, uh, stiff course of instruction. The instructors got it down the way I wanted it to, and I didn't have to be there on top of it. But you do have to be there just in case somebody gets sticky fingers, which, you know, can happen with your best friend and you don't realize it till it's too late. Right. And now with, I know you said, Dan, uh, you guys had made the agreement that, you know, Dan was going to do some of the running. You were going to be down in Florida. He was going to send you money and you right. guys, you know, wanted that understanding. Now, did he, was he sending you this money? Was he, was he holding up his end of the bargain at this point? Um, he, he held up. I think he sent me three checks a year over a year. So, wow. And if if that's was half of what he was making, he should have closed up a long time ago. Yeah, and um and just by looking if you look online at, at whatever the monster factory is doing, um you know, it seems like that they're doing, you know, his version of it is actually is doing pretty well. He's got a lot of people coming in. He's got a lot of people talking about the legacy of the monster factory, the people the monster factory is trained. But I think a lot of people get confused because he didn't train any of those people. He didn't do no. any of that. That was your monster. He back out one guy out there in a full-time position. Right. Right. And, and that's a misconception that a lot of people have. Yeah, is because that's what he's putting out there. I mean, he's using the same logo that, that Larry said was created by a gentleman in Mantua. Um, he did take Larry's right. name off of it, and now it says the world-famous monster factory. And um, he's leading people to believe that they're training at a school that was created on Larry's legacy, and they're just not. And I think that's at least that's what I understand, and I think that's what is important for people that are listening today to realize that where they're training with Dan is not Pretty Boy Larry Sharp's Monster Factory. Well, I appreciate you putting that out there for me. I didn't realize that we were going to go there so much on this interview, but since you brought it up, uh, that is the way it is, you know, and... Uh, if you if you would just ask him who he's trained since uh, I've been gone, I think you know that'll answer the full set of questions right there. Yeah, I think that's a you know that's a that's a very valid point, and I think um, you know it's it, the the thing the argument could be made that you know um, like you said he's trading on that name and he's doing that and and basically all that stuff that he's doing because I know back in April. Once an uh, an issue was made of this, he was running uh, online on Facebook, for instance. He was running under the Monster Factory name, right? The same Facebook that they've been using for years, the same website they've been using for a long time, monsterfactory.org. So once this issue came up, he changed the name to the Monster Factory LLC because from my understanding that he was afraid of, I guess, legal repercussions because he knows that once again, that you really own the monster factory. So not only is a lot of this stuff that, um, you know, he's earned and accumulated still, you know, ha either all yours or half yours, but the stuff he's using, you know, even the pictures that are on the wall that I was talking about earlier in the morning, uh, in the interview are your pictures and your property. Okay, and, uh, no, that's okay. But basically, um, you know, we were we were just saying that you know a lot of the stuff that he's he's done is is basically because of the stuff that you've done, and that that one that he's running now, that Monster Factory, it it's it's not the Monster Factory, and, and like Robert said, a lot of people um, aren't aware of that, and it's uh, you know it's a shame. Well, he uh, you know he's living in a dream world, is how I see it. 
But, uh, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so uh, I'm not, you know, I've got a few other things to take care of besides that. I mean, 20 years from now, if I put a shingle out and call it Larry Sharp's Wrestling School, you know, I'll get all the business I need. So it's really, uh, matter of fact, I feel bad for him. He should be ashamed to claim something that's not his, you know, and everybody knows it. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing, and I think that that's the reason, one of the reasons, you know, to, to get this out there, because I think a lot of people were under the impression that, like I said, you had given, you know, the reins of the Monster Factory uh, the control over to Dan. I think that was a, a story that was going around for many people. I mean, I know I heard yeah. it personally myself. Um, yeah. But yeah, listen. I was going to say at this time we actually have a caller uh, uh, on hold, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll let him talk because we are taking all callers. So, yeah. caller, you want to introduce yourself? No, we're not doing that. Robert, do we still have the caller? He, he's there. He is there. Um, Roughneck, are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. <laughs> hey, Roughneck. How are you? Good to talk to you, buddy. Harry, how are you? I'll call <laughs> Dead, Roughneck. I'm having... I was just wondering, like, uh, the use of the logo, even in its, in, in, its, in its form now, wouldn't that be some sort of copyright infringement, or...? You know, I'm not an attorney. I don't claim to be... A smart guy, but I would t have a tendency to think the exact same. I mean, I was the Monster Factory training him under that name. So, I mean, common sense would tell you that he couldn't have started it if that's where he went there to learn it. Yeah. You know, Dan was such a mark for me at one time. He used to call the Monster Factory 10 to 15 times a night just to get fired up by my message on my answer machine. And if you see wow. him, if he, as he started uh, lying, he'll tell you the truth because he did for the longest uh, for the longest time. Wow, yeah, that's I, I, uh, remember him, I remember him. I remember him saying stuff to that sort that you. He, he would yeah, call yeah, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. To, to to take him out of a dark spot that he was in and that you were his hero. Uh, if that's he hero, would call up in the middle of the night true. because. Uh, he just uh, didn't want me to answer the phone. He just wanted to hear the message. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> that's a mark, brother. That's what you call a mark. It, it is. Oh, uh, it's a change. You probably still wouldn't answer the phone if you called him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing I, uh, I need to talk to him about right now. No, I'm, I'm sure. And, uh, how's, you, you know, how's the success of your show, guys? This is just so you know, we, we don't have this. We're only doing this. This is a one time thing that we just wanted you. We just wanted you to get a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a platform to, to tell, you know, what's going on. We just did this one time and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story of why we did this one time because we were going to have, for the fans that don't know this, we were going to have um, Larry on um, uh, a wrestling show about a week ago. 
and the day before the wrestling show, uh, the, the, the pop... Top Rope Radio done. It was Top Rope. Okay, we were going to have them on Top Rope Radio. And um, the day before the show, the podcast, we got uh, a letter, or the, the VOC Nation, uh, run by Brady Hicks, unfortunately, got a letter from Dan Cage's attorneys stating that, you know, if we went on the show and referred to Larry as the owner of the Monster Factory, that they could be sued and, and sued for liable. So at that point, and understandably, Brady Hicks said, you know, we're going to have to cancel the interview um, because I don't, I got to talk to my lawyers first and do that. So at that point, I said, you know what, why don't we just do this ourselves? And me and Robert decided to do this ourselves because one, I frankly don't give a damn about lawyers. Um, and two, um, we still wanted you to get the, the story out there because me and Robert and a lot of other guys who have been at the factory and you know, were there when you were training and were trained by you that we know the story behind this. We know the real, the real story. And so even if lawyers want to, even if they want to threaten to sue or do whatever, they can't because we know who the true owner of the monster factory is. Okay. I appreciate that guys. Um, so, so with that being said, so when is, when is the last time you actually talked to Dan Cage? Oh, it's been, uh, over a year. Okay. Do you remember what you guys talked about? Uh, yeah, I just showed up at the Monster Factory unannounced, and he got real nervous and all shook up. And then he uh, sent $200 up to me the next day with my uh, sister. Because, wow. uh, yeah, that was his guilt playing on him. Was that like hush money, you think? Well, I mean, you know, I know when I had it, I was making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. Two hundred thousand isn't going to hush me up, or right. two hundred dollars. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, it's it's funny you mention that because I know in in some of the uh, the pictures that are on uh, Dan Cage's uh, wrestling school website, they actually have a car now with the Monster Factory logo on the car. So mm-hmm. obviously that. they're. They're doing well enough to be able to buy a car, which is funny because I'm sure the last time you saw money was at 200 bucks, and that was over a year ago. Yeah, well, Dan doesn't have a car. He's got a truck. He's got a right. new pickup truck. <laughs> he doesn't even have a car. So he probably bought an old junker and just covered it up with Monster Factor stickers to uh, have something to ride around in. Right, and he's got the, the, I believe the trainers over there now are, was it, uh, the Blue Meanie, and uh, who's the other one? Robert, you might know. Is it Bill, Bill Wesley? Uh, Robert's actually had to step up. Oh, okay, that's the, fine. Um, um, okay, so yeah, so I believe the trainers they have now are the Blue Meanie, Bill Wesley, and I'm not even sure who the other one is, but have you, have you had any interactions with them guys before? Who is Bill McGregory? No, Bill Vis Wesley. He has uh, oh, okay, a... Oh, yeah, I know Bill. Yeah, I know Bill. Yeah. I don't have any issues with him. Uh, he just wants to hitch, hitch on and use my name. And uh, what about um, what about the Blue Meanie? The Blue Meanie? Uh, it's kind of surprising from him, but, you know, if he... Listen... He can work. He has good philosophy. So at least there's someone in there not giving someone bad lessons. 
Right. You know, if they if they weren't any good, you know, I'd make my feelings known. But as long as they're not doing anything bad, uh, it's not hurting anything. You know, I've got too many eggs in the basket now that uh, for me to worry about something like that. Right, right. No, I, I completely understand that. So, now, out of curiosity, what what would you like for your final resolution to be with the the situation? I mean, would it be something where you would want Dan to obviously stop using the Monster Factory name? Would you want to take the Monster Factory back? I mean, what would you want to do at this point? Uh, I'd like him to buy half of it. That's what I was going to give him. Now, with with all that's going on since you know that original agreement you guys had to buy half, would you still, I guess, would you still trust him to be a partner with him? No, I just sell him my half and get out. Oh, okay. So you, he's a thief. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, and I think um, at least as I say. Hold on for a second. We might, hold on, I don't know, we might have another caller. I'm uh, doing both, but now. But so, question for you: If if you could uh, say anything to Dan right now, like what what would you what would you say to him? I mean, because I'm sure he's listening right now. I've got nothing to say to him. He's uh, not enough of a man to come and speak to me. I mean, he's never come to visit me in a hospital one time. Wow, not um, one time. Or, you know, do I need anything? Do I want anything? Is there anything he can do for me? And that's, yeah, that's because I'm sure he's got a guilty conscience. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I completely, I, I believe that myself. I think, you know, for me personally, um, I, you know, like I said, I, I've known you for since I was 11 years old and, you know, for me personally, you've done, you've done a lot for me. You were almost like a father to me when I was, when I was a young kid. And, uh, that was Thank something, you. that was something that, um, you know, I never really, uh, I never really forgot. And I know a lot of the guys who were in the monster factory and I can name guys left and right who, uh, you know, were understood, they understood that and they respected you. And that's why, like I said, we did this because a lot of guys were, um, I don't know. Uh, they were mad at what Dan did. To be honest, it was really, it was really a shady, shady thing. Yeah. You know, because we all know it was Larry Sharp's uh, you know, monster. I put, I put a lot of time and effort into being truthful with that because that's what's made it. You know, other wrestling schools would open up, get a big, huge deposit, and then just leave in the middle of the night. And I you know, took the good with the bad and uh we stayed open and we struggled sometimes. You know, we mm-hmm. really struggled. But uh there was always, you know, something to hook me up with and you know, to get us through it. Yeah. And you know, and that's the, the you know, that's the thing to remember. Um you know, I wanna share you know, a little story uh about I don't know I think I was maybe thirteen and you had run a show I believe in Williamstown and uh, Abdul the Butcher was on the show and we picked up uh, we picked up Abdul the Butcher from the uh, from the airport um, and of course like he was so big that when he got in the car the whole car kind of tipped to the right um, uh-huh. but so you, we go down and we do the show and I was carrying bags at the time for people so uh, 
Yeah, so I was carrying people's bags, and after the show, I was carrying Abby's bag, and I take his bag to the. I was about to take his bag to the car, and he says, "Hold on." And he's sitting on a, a bench in a town, and um, he says to me, "He's like, you want to be a professional wrestler, right?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, that's I would love to." And he's like, "Well, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta get in shape, and you gotta, you know, you gotta be big." And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Basically, you gotta look like this," and he stands up and drops his towel. And Abdul the Butcher is buck naked right in front of him. He's completely naked. And he says, you got to look like this. And it was an, ima- it was an image that I personally... Um, it's still in your mind. Um, but uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, too. I remember not too long ago, you had posted on, um, I believe it was on Craigslist, about you know selling the Monster Factory or you know doing what you could with it. Um, yeah. What, what had happened with that? Were your posts uh, taken down or deleted? What had happened? Yeah, Dan took them off of there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... So I'd like to get them back up there. Yeah, I think it seems to me that Dan's doing a lot to... Um, I don't know, to, to try to block anything you're doing. Uh, d- Don, speak directly into your phone. Uh, we're having a hard time hearing you. Sorry. Um, do we have a caller, Harry? That that. Y- yeah, uh, Larry's daughter is actually uh, on hold. Oh, okay. Put her through. What's that? All right. We're gonna put uh, hey, put your up? daughter. Hey, what's up? Hey, Larry? how you doing? <laughs> hey, Meg. I'm good. Hey, Larry. Hey, Meg. How are you? Doing good, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. What do you got for us? Well, thinking back to somebody asking earlier if what Dan was doing was legal as far as using the business name and copyright infringement, it's actually considered right. a bait and switch because he's advertising it as Larry Sharp's Monster Factory when really it's not. Right, and that and that was the thing. That was the thing we were talking about, especially if you take a look at the logo. Even where he removed Larry's name from the logo, it's still the same exact logo that you know the Monster Factory had used since the eighties. Yeah, actually, the green one. And Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't my mom draw the most recent logo that's being used? No, she drew a couple of ideas. She drew okay. a couple of ideas, but she didn't draw the one I'm using now. Okay, right. I remember her drawing something, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, she did. She did. Um, Isn't that wrestling yeah. ring yours, too? Or at least one of them? Yeah. Wow. But, man, so. you know, if I if I start going into the, you know, the only ones that get hurt are the kids that's joined up. I'm not going to punish them because they got into a bad deal. You know, something like this just takes time. True, but I think the argument could be made that they might ultimately get more punished by having somebody who doesn't have the experience you do that's pretending, you know, to be something they're not because their ego is driving them. And that could ultimately be more detrimental to them than having somebody, you know, like yourself at the wheel who knows this business, who has the experience, who's only there for their best interest and not your own, which is what I think Dan is doing. I agree with 
what you're saying there. I'm worried about somebody getting hurt from not being trained correctly. Okay, well, guys, we got to uh, go. Okay, uh, well, listen, Larry. What's that? No, that's it. I was going to say thank you for uh, for coming on the show. I do appreciate it. Um, glad you could get your story out there, and I, you know, I hope we can uh, maybe do this again sometime soon. I appreciate uh, you doing it for me, and uh, let you know that I'd be happy to do it again if you want to touch base, and you know, we'll give you a little more information. You got it. Thank you, Larry. Well, if you can, if you can think of some stories or something, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll do it again. You got it. Thank you, Larry. All right, take care. See you, Meg. Bye, Larry. Bye. All right. So, once again, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening to this. Uh, also, I also want to remember everybody to, uh, you know, tune in to the Bowen Alley podcast. Once again, that's uh, Wednesday's first, well, first Wednesday of each month at 530. You can find that at the Um But I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I want to thank... Robert, uh, who had to sign off a little early uh, for joining me on this podcast. Uh, Once again, thank you, and everybody have a good night. All right.